0: Joe Biden gained office by promising to return America to normalcy, but his radicalism has him treading water at the 100-day mark. The Oscars prove again that Hollywood hates you. And Alexander Ocasio-Cortez doesn't seem all that unhappy with kids in cages at the border anymore. Weird. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. For peace of mind, whenever you go online, visit expressvpn.com. Slash Ben, we'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, a quick reminder, we are now spending more money than has ever been spent by any government in human history. It is not particularly close. The government is blowing out the dollar. The effects will be felt over the next few years. And right now, they're also talking about increasing things like the capital gains tax. So, if you are looking for a safe haven for your money, you might want to think, at least right now, about putting some money in precious metals. Do you think our nation's economy is going to be insulated from Biden's planned massive tax increases? There is a good way to protect your savings. Do what over 10,000 other smart investors have done. Convert a portion of your retirement accounts into gold and silver with Birch Gold. When inflation hits, and it will, gold and silver are your safe haven. And Birch Gold, those are the people I trust to help you convert an IRA or eligible 401k into an IRA backed by gold and silver. Through April 30th on qualifying purchases, when you open a precious metals IRA with Birch Gold, they'll send you a free home safe. Birch Gold. Those are the people I buy my gold from. You can trust them as well. Text Ben to 474747 for your free information kit on Precious Metals IRA or to speak with a Birch Gold representative today. With 10,000 customers, they've got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Countless five-star reviews. They can help you too. Text Ben to 474747 for your free safe with qualifying purchase. That's Ben. Text Ben to 474747. All righty. Well, we'll get to everything Joe Biden in just a moment. First, a few quick notes. On the Oscars. So it is perfectly clear at this point that Hollywood despises its own audience, despises it. So every so often, they will make you, you know, a $100 million movie. And that's the one that they give to you. And then there are the ones they do for them. And the ones they do for them, those are all the ones that are featured at the Oscars. You know, movies like Nomadland about elderly white people pooping in buckets. Or The Father, about Anthony Hopkins struggling with dementia. Movies like, like the movie about Fred Hampton, whose name escapes me at the moment, about how the Black Panthers were going to be the saviors of the United States, or the other movie about how the Black Panthers were going to be the saviors of the United States, written by Aaron Sorkin. Or maybe it's the Borat movie, which is actually actively unfunny, militantly unfunny, but pushes all the right buttons for folks in media land. Or maybe you're just super into all of the other movies that nobody has ever seen that were nominated this year. It used to be that the Oscars would nominate for Best Picture, you know, movies that people had actually seen. I'm old enough to remember when The Dark Knight got a Best Picture nomination and when Return of the King won Best Picture. No movies people had actually seen. And now Hollywood only rewards movies that no one has seen because they actively hate their audience. They think Americans are fools. They think Americans are dumbasses. They think that they can basically make money off of you by popping a Marvel movie out once in a while. And then they use that money to make the movies that really make them feel artistic. And all of those movies, of course, are critiques of the evils of America. All those movies are critiques of America's healthcare system. Like the, the, like the one about the, the drummer who goes deaf, right? Which is really a critique of, of America's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad healthcare system. Or the, or the movie about how difficult it is to be an Asian American immigrant in the United States. Minari about the difficulties of the American dream. Right? Every, every movie is this. Every single movie that was nominated this year is essentially about the evils of the United States in one way or another. Because that's what they think of you. It's not even what they think of the system. That's what they think of their own audience. Hollywood despises its own audience. And they are living in a bubble where they get to live off the fruit of the land where they never have to see the consequences of their own policies, where they get to live the high life. And, and that's what the Oscars represent is how in a bubble these folks are. I mean, truly, insanely in a bubble. How big is that bubble? Well, for example, according to the Post Millennial, there were walls re- actively erected outside the Academy Awards to protect the Hollywood elite. Quote, security fencing was erected around the perimeter of Union Station in downtown L.A. on Sunday to provide protection for the Hollywood elite and their Academy Award ceremony. The red carpet, the dazzling celebs who walked it were well secured from the general public. Union Station was cordoned off with fencing. The entrances were also blocked with security guards and additional measures. Now, typically, Union Station is, you know, a station. It is like a train station in L.A. So I don't know why they couldn't hold this thing at the Kodak Theater. Every major venue in L.A. has been empty. For literally a year at this point, instead, they decided, you know what, we're going to displace all of these homeless people that we welcomed into our city to help wreck the quality of life for people who actually pay taxes and live in homes. And then we're going to make all those people move out of Union Station, just like we would in Malibu. The Post Millennial reported Union Station is typically home to a high population of homeless, yet the city of L.A. forced those city dwellers to move from their temporary digs in order to make room for the Oscars. The city moved the homeless under the alleged threat of destroying their belongings if they failed to comply, which is weird because they won't do that. If a homeless person plunks down their tent directly on the sidewalk outside of your home, the city won't move it. But if you get in the way of Francis McDormand winning a third Oscar, you are out, gang. Police also amply protected the celebs who stood on stage in designer gowns and suits to decry American law enforcement. On tall heels and with resounding voices, actors and artists used their platform to speak against the very institution that was protecting them from the greater homelessness of L.A., of those who spoke about the cops, only Tyler Perry said, I refuse to hate someone for being a police officer. So it's uh, it's good times. They, they've they built their own wall, apparently. They uh, rely on the cops to protect them. Really solid stuff there from your Hollywood brethren who, who know better than you. They are just better people than you. By the way, how much better? Well, at least $205,000 better because they got $205,000 swag bags. According to Forbes.com, Every year, celebrity and product placement marketing company Distinctive Assets put together a gift bag The 25 nominees for Best Actor, Actress, and Director take home with them, whether they win or not. Every one of this year's swag bags is valued at around $205,000. Remember, we're supposed to be in the middle of a Great Depression right now in which millions of people were thrown out of work by a giant pandemic. Very important that the people who are already rich and famous are given $205,000 swag bags. That is a dip in value of $20,000 from last year. The Academy, which is putting on its 93rd Oscars this year, complained about the less than wholesome nature of some of the gifts and the negative press surrounding it after last year. This year's gift bag reflects the twin events overshadowing the ceremony, calls for social justice in the wake of George Floyd's murder and the outbreak of COVID-19. Distinctive Asset's 49-year-old founder, Lash Ferry, said, quote, we did want the bags to feel like they had a bigger purpose than just here's a bag full of free stuff. Some of the bags we've been doing have been from female-owned businesses, black-owned businesses, disabled entrepreneurs and companies who give back, even ones you wouldn't necessarily think give back apparently just filled with wonderful, wonderful stuff. Several of the gifts promote health and well-being, like a medical-grade mask from 99Guard, IV on-call concierge vitamin intravenous infusions to bolster immunity, or to recover from a hangover, C60 purple power antioxidant, and violet breast health supplements. But there are also some lavish things, like, for example, a $12,000 four-night stay for two at the Golden Door, a Southern California spa. Also, you can get retreat for a three-night stay at the Potter Lighthouse on the island of Hamniskar on the west coast of Sweden. So good stuff. The gift bag also includes a 24 karat gold vape cartridges from holotips and sleep capsules that blend CBD with low-dose melatonin and hemp cell from Fifth Element for post-workout recovery. Really amazing stuff in this, in this swag bag. These are, these are folks who are definitely, they're they, they 100% in touch with the American people. In touch mainly because they wish to push you away with their hand. That's that's the amount of the touching that goes on. It's just the, their hand on your head pushing you away. <laughs> that's, those are the folks in Hollywood. By the way, Americans know it. New out from the Daily Wire today. Two-thirds of Americans have not seen a single film nominated for Best Picture. By the way, that is a lie. For sure, it's more like nine-tenths of people have not seen a single film nominated for Best Picture. If they have seen any of the films nominated for Best Picture, it's probably just Borat, right? Because Borat was on Netflix, so people tuned into that for 10 minutes before tuning out. 71% of Americans said award winners shouldn't give political speeches. Most Americans don't think the Oscars are too white, despite reporting on the topic. 55% of Americans correctly say that conservative films and actors would not have a fair shot at winning an Oscar. And what are the most anticipated films for 2021? The new James Bond and Top Gun movies, namely the ones that Hollywood makes to hate, but no, they have to make in order to pay the bills for movies that nobody ever, ever wants to see. righty, in just a second, we're going to get to the latest on Joe Biden, because again, there is this disconnect that has happened on the left between the American people and the left. They don't understand what their actual mandate is. People like Hollywood when Hollywood does the things they want. And people like Joe Biden when Joe Biden does the things they want. But there's a disconnect between what Joe Biden wants to do and what the American people want him to do, just like there's a disconnect between what people want Hollywood to do and what Hollywood wants to see itself doing. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about a simple fact. If you are starting a business, you don't tend to think about HR issues. When we started Daily Wire in a pool house, we weren't thinking about HR issues. But as your company grows, you have to start thinking about HR if you're running a business, HR issues can absolutely hurt you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR manager salaries aren't cheap. An average of $70,000 a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for a small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, maintain your compliance, all for just 99 bucks a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding determinations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day, all for just 99 bucks a month. They're month-to-month, no hidden fees, you can cancel anytime. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. Let Bambi help. Get your free HR audit today. Go to bambi.com slash Shapiro right now. Schedule your free HR audit. That is bambi.com slash Shapiro. Spell B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Shapiro, bambi. Dot com slash Shapiro and get your HR under control for a cost that won't break the bank today. Bambi.com slash Shapiro to get that free HR audit. OK, so the disconnect for Joe Biden. Joe Biden was elected on the basis of one promise. I won't be Donald Trump. That was his entire promise. I am a return to normalcy, stability. The adults are back in charge. Remember, the first day that Biden went back in the White House, these were the headlines. The adults are back. These are the moderates, the adults, the people who are going to restore some semblance of non-crazy. They're back there's only one problem. That was a lie. Joe Biden has, since he took office, passed a $2 trillion unnecessary stimulus package. I say unnecessary because we were in the midst of the greatest artificial depression in American history. It was caused by a single extraneous event, COVID-19, which resulted in a bunch of artificial lockdowns by state, local, and the federal government. And that resulted in artificial depression. As the COVID pandemic was relieved, the economy started to boom again. You don't need to pump up the economy in the aftermath of already having done so last year. In fact, Americans ended 2020 with the single greatest number in terms of wealth, per household wealth, in American history, so far as I'm aware. And that's because the government literally just sent them checks. So they had all these money in the bank. They're they, they ready to go back to work. And then Joe Biden blew into town and he's like, you know what, $2 trillion, boom, slams it on the table. And we're gonna include a bunch of new entitlement programs. We're going to incentivize to have people, uh, people to have children out of wedlock. We're going to make sure that you never have to go back to work. Right now, one of the big problems for a lot of businesses, is that the government is paying them so much, people so much to stay home that it's hard to actually get employees to come and work at your business? You make more money by staying home than you would if you actually went to work. It's a serious problem in the American economy for businesses that are seeking to keep up with increased demand at this point. So we're already on the upswing. Joe Biden blew two trillion dollars into the economy. Then he's like, you know what? What if we spent another two trillion dollars on infrastructure? Right? And it won't mostly be infrastructure. Like 5% will be roads and bridges. The rest of it will basically be payoffs to various union cronies. And it'll be restructuring of unionization rules in various states in order to incentivize unionization for like home healthcare workers, for example. $2 trillion more. Now, Joe Biden is dropping another $2 trillion package. So just to keep this straight, this is all aside from the federal budget. The federal budget now every year since Obama, every year since like 2009, the federal budget, it climbed After the 08 crash, it climbed from about $3 trillion a year to $4 trillion a year. And every year since then, the budget of the United States has basically been at least $4 trillion a year, which is an insane amount of money. It is completely unnecessary. Okay, that's large enough. So we're going to spend $4 trillion this year. Then on top of that, $2 trillion for the boondoggle stimulus package, which is not a stimulus package, $2 trillion for infrastructure, which is not infrastructure, and now $2 trillion for quote unquote families. So now you are talking about a grand total of Joe Biden having proposed $10 trillion in spending. 10, right? Two plus two plus two plus four. $10 trillion in spending for 2021. And we are three months into his tenure. This is insanity. And this is not what he was elected to do. Even some Democrats are going, dude, I don't know where you think we're getting all this money from. Like Joe Biden keeps saying, oh, we'll pass tax, tax increases. And in the future, we'll pay for all of this. Yeah, no, you won't. We all know that that's a lie. You just recognize that because you get to sail in on the height of this economic tsunami that's about to happen, you can surf that tsunami. And at the same time, you can really poison the water. And three years from now, when the currency is inflated and when we can't take out any more debt because no one in their right mind would buy an American bond, and when you have to raise taxes dramatically in order to pay for this, sinking the economy, when all of that happens, you're gonna be long gone because Joe Biden ain't running for reelection, gang. Joe Biden wants his one-term president. Look at Joe Biden. There is no way that man runs for re-election. Honestly, I will, be, I will be so shocked if Joe Biden, I mean, he's on a steep path of mental and cognitive decline. It is clear for everyone to see. This is a one-term president. I mean, basically, why do you think he keeps trotting out co-president Harris as though she's an important human being? The vice presidency is a warm bucket of spit. No one cares about the vice president, except for right now, when everyone is supposed to care about the vice president. Because Joe Biden literally stands next to Harris and basically says, and here is the person who's going to take over for me when I'm out. So he means to ram through all of these world breaking changes in the first term, and then he gets LBJ-like, FDR-like credit, even though he's been in office for 73 minutes. Right? That, that is Joe Biden's plan, and he is just ratcheting this stuff up. The Washington Post reports today, the White House is preparing to unveil a roughly $1.8 trillion spending and tax plan this coming week that includes many of Biden's campaign promises, but also reflects the daunting challenges facing the administration as it tries to transform the US economy. Question, why are we transforming the US economy? Before this pandemic, we had record low unemployment. We had record high wage growth, particularly at the low end of the economic spectrum. Why? Why? Why are we remaking the most powerful economy in world history? Is there a reason for that? Of course not, because it's not about helping people. It's not about a stronger economy. It's about, quote unquote, equity. It's about getting Joe Biden's name in the Canton Football Hall of Fame as an important person. The ego problems for our presidents typically were hemmed in by the the checks and balances the founders designed, right? They knew that politicians were ambitious. And so they figured balance would check that there'd be checks and balances. Ambition would check ambition. And then at the beginning of the 20th century, we completely skewed the balance between the legislature and the executive branch. We completely destroyed the federalist bargain between the states and the federal government. And now basically the president acts as a de facto king within his own purview. And then we just change kings every four years or so. The American Families Plan, set to be released ahead of the president's joint address to Congress on Wednesday, calls for devoting hundreds of billions of dollars to national child care pre-kindergarten paid family leave, and tuition-free community college, among other domestic priorities. We definitely need more people going to useless community colleges. Dr. Joe Biden will be unsatisfied with anything less. Also, we have to pay for Head Start, even though it's been one more Head Start because it has been one of the most ineffective government programs in American history. But let's toss a few more billion dollars at that. And also, we should definitely be paying hundreds of billions of dollars for national childcare, specifically because that will basically incentivize all women to go to work and put their kids in childcare as opposed to any women staying home. It happens to be a fact that if you want to incentivize women not to stay home, what you do is you create national childcare and then women are considered better if they drop their kids at the childcare rather than staying home with their kids. Yeah, there's nothing wrong. I understand that we live in a society where we're supposed to pretend that there's something wrong with a woman if she gets married and then she spends a lot of time at home with her kid and her husband works. But that's patriarchal and evil. It turns out Kids who spend a lot of time with mom do pretty well, but I, but we're going to incentivize precisely the reverse at this point, obviously, and incentivize again. This is the other end. You have to put it all together. This you have a a two step bargain that is happening right now. The the Biden administration saying that they will pay for you to they will pay you for having children out of wedlock. That was in the it's it's a it's a revision of the the welfare reforms done by Bill Clinton and the Republicans in the late nineties. It basically restores aid to dependent children, aid to families of dependent children without reference to whether the parents are married or not. So you're incentivizing single motherhood and then you are paying for the government to take care of the kids. So the the government is now playing father again, which is exactly what Joe Biden is pushing for. White House officials spent much of the past week making refinements to the plan, showing the enormous pressure they are under to include or discard key items as they attempt to satisfy a range of competing voices in a last minute change, White House officials as of Friday were planning to include about 200 billion dollars to extend an increase in health insurance subsidies through the ACA exchanges. So they're going to blow out spending on Obamacare. White House officials are prepared to table a measure they'd included in earlier drafts aimed at reducing consumer and government spending on prescription drugs. So they were going to um, they, they were going to lower the amount of spending on prescription drugs, but now they're going to ratchet that up again. This will be the second part of Biden's Build Back Better agenda, following the $2.3 trillion jobs and manufacturing proposal. Okay, but that doesn't take into account the infrastructure proposal. So you're talking about $6 trillion of new spending, $6 trillion of new spending, all of which is not going to make the country stronger or better, all of which is basically designed to shoring up Joe Biden's legacy. And here's the thing. The American people are not up for it. They're not up for it. So there's new polling, and what does it show? It shows that Joe Biden has not won any additional support since the election. Now, you could say, well, Joe Biden had a good level of support in the election, right? I mean, he won 7 million more votes than his opponent. He won about 52% of the vote. But normally, when presidents enter office, when they first win, especially after a very, very polarizing era, they enter with these very high approval ratings. And if they get a lot done over the first 100 days, those approval ratings tend to rise. And this happened with Barack Obama. He entered office, he, he won. He won something like 53 to 45, And then his approval ratings shot up into the 70s at the very beginning of his presidency. And then pretty quickly, they started to come down as people realized that what they were promised, namely a unifying figure who was post-political and also post-racial, was lying to them during the campaign. And you saw Barack Obama's numbers start to take a nosedive. So he ended up in the low 50s for most of his presidency. And that, again, was largely attributable to the fact that he was a very popular person, even though his policies weren't particularly popular, as evidenced by the fact that he lost Congress two years in. Well, Joe Biden is not nearly as personally popular as Barack Obama was. He's not charming. He's not charismatic. He's an old fuddy-duddy who can barely string together a sentence and has been in Washington since well before I was born. He also happens to have some corruption problems, and he's, again, unable to to coherently speak. I'd say he doesn't have any of the the personal qualities that made Barack Obama very popular, particularly with independents. But he does have the same thing that Obama did, which is the promise on which he gained office, has now been discarded. The promise was return to normalcy, we're going back to normal. And then he came in, he's like, what if I spend $10 trillion? $10 trillion. What if I just do that? And talk about raising the capital gains tax radically. And talk about raising income tax rates. And talk about regulating everything under the sun via climate change rules. What if I do all that? And the American people are like, you know what, I don't like this. I don't like this. Republicans heading into 2022 have to be very optimistic about their chances. Because here's the thing it ain't going to get better for Joe Biden from here. Joe Biden's height of popularity is when he took office and his first few hundred, his first hundred days. That's when he's going to get the height of his popularity. Americans already got their stimmy checks. So that's it for that. Americans are not going to like the costs that are associated with what Joe Biden has been pushing on the country. And that's why right now, again, his poll numbers are not stellar. They're quite mediocre, in fact. And the media are trying to cover up for that fact that they're quite mediocre by saying, that he has mostly positive marks. But the question is not whether he has mostly positive marks. The question is, where is he relative to other presidents not named Donald Trump at this time? So in just one second, we're gonna get to the latest polling data from Washington Post-ABC, which shows that Joe Biden is not a particularly popular president. And this is going to have some pretty significant downstream effects for Democrats who are running for Congress, running for Senate in 2022, particularly in purple states like Georgia. Okay, so here are some of these poll stats. According to the Washington Post, of adults say they approve of the job Biden is doing compared with 42% who disapprove. That's not a shock because, again, he won about 52% of the vote. Nobody who voted for Joe Biden is turning around and going, oh, I hate that guy now. But he has not picked up a single percentage point of support from the rest. And that's kind of shocking because, again, what polls tend to show, people, self-reported polls particularly, tend to show that if you ask people who they voted for after an election, they tend to say more often than they actually voted for the person, the person who won. So normally... In a normal circumstance, if you ask people, how many of you voted for Joe Biden and Biden won, you get 60% of people saying they voted for Biden, even though only 52% of people actually voted for Biden. Well, right now, his approval rating mirrors precisely his actual voter percentage. On the one hand, you can say, well, that's solid. I mean, it's consistent. And that's true. It is solid and consistent. Solid and consistent at a bare majority, which means there's a lot of room for Joe Biden to slide and pretty much no room for him to grow. He now has a ceiling. His ceiling is about 52%. He has no place to go but down from here. And as the effects of these world-breaking policies are felt, it's going to go down from here. At this point in his presidency four years ago, Trump's rating was 42% disapproval at 53%, which again, was not a particular shock because he only won 46% of the vote in 2016. Overall, 34% of Americans say they strongly approve of Biden's performance. 35% say they strongly disapprove of Biden's performance. And so he is running basically just dead even. This, by the way, includes the fact that he has huge marks for his handling of COVID. Again, I I, I struggle to see how Joe Biden is going to gain from here. He's emerging from an economic depression. There's going to be a booming economy for the next year. Everybody knows that the stock market is going bonkers. And people are going back to their regular lives after they get vaccinated. And he's getting credit for that, even though he didn't do a damn thing about it. I mean, that's a pretty good position to be sitting in. Normally, in a vacuum, you say, "Okay, you got a president with an economy that's about to boom at like 8%, you have a vaccine that has been tranched out at the rate of 3 million a day to Americans and people going back to work. You have people going back to their regular lives. Shouldn't that president be at like 75% approval rating? That ain't happening. And the reason that ain't happening is because this dude is a partisan hack and he is demonstrating that he is more Bernie Sanders than Scoop Jackson. He is not an old fashioned moderate Democrat. He ain't Joe Manchin. He's closer to AOC than he is to a blue dog Democrat. 53% of Americans say they disapprove of the way he has dealt with the immigration situation at the U.S.-Mexico border, which, by the way, does not include AOC, right? Worthy of note, the people who approve Biden the most right now are people like Bernie Sanders and Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. Remember that time that Alexander Ocasio-Cortez got so upset with Donald Trump's immigration policy and the kids at the cages that she actually went down to the border in Texas and she put on a white outfit? It was all very spontaneous. She spontaneously decided to put on uh, a white outfit and then go stand outside of an empty chain link fence and then stare across a parking lot and she could maybe distantly see a facility where there are kids being held in cages and then stare directly into camera and weep remember this very spontaneous outburst of emotion well now here is AOC spontaneous outburst of emotion a multiple of kids being held in cages but you know Joe Biden's doing a wonderful job almost as though the democratic party does not give a damn about the kids in the cages they only care about who's in power
1: i do think that um the Biden administration and President Biden has definitely exceeded expectations that progressives had. Uh, you know, I'll be frank, I think a lot of us expected a much more conservative administration. Um, and I think that his, not only what has ultimately come out, but the active invitation and willingness and collaboration uh, with progressives in his first 100 days, um, for almost 100 days, uh, has been very impressive.
0: So I, I take it no weepy photo ops at the border then? None of that? Interesting, interesting. By the way, Kamala Harris, who is actually put in charge of the border situation, so far her great accomplishment has been to, you know, um, well, and also she has, well, one thing she did was, well, she goes on national TV, she says things are getting better at the border without evidence that anything's getting better at the border. In addition
1: to meeting again with the president of Guatemala, I will be meeting the following day with the community-based organizations in Guatemala. They call them basically civil society to figure out how we can better assist what they're doing on the ground Mm -hmm. in a way, again, that they can give the resources to people who naturally want to stay at home and give them some sense of hope that help is on the way. This is the work that we're doing, but it's not going to be solved overnight. It's a complex issue. Listen, if this were easy, it would have been handled years ago.
0: Okay. uh, uh, ah! Okay, there's only one. (laughs) Whenever she has to say the hard part, that's when she starts laughing like a crazy person. Um, So I've noticed they haven't solved that problem. And the American people have noticed this as well. 53% of Americans, according to, again, this Washington Post-ABC News poll, say that they don't like the way that he's dealing with the border. His approval rating for the economy stands at 52%. Now, normally... When you have a booming economy like you're about to get, it should be in the 70s. He's at 52%. And by the way, if you look at it by the Democrat-Independent-Republican breakdown, what you notice is that he's underwater with independents. He's at 47% with independents. He's at 90% with Democrats, which is why overall he's at 52%. But he's at 40, 47% with independents. He is at 47% on the economy. He's at 32% on immigration. Although his first sizable initiatives enjoy majority support, the poll also finds that by two to one, Americans say that Biden should be willing to make major changes to his proposals to win Republican support. In other words, the American people keep saying, we elected you to be a moderate and you are not being a moderate. Also, 53% of Americans say they are either very or somewhat concerned that Biden will do too much to increase the size and role of government. You think? You think he's going to spend $10 trillion? That's his proposed spending this year. Okay, this is... Again, pretty, these are not great numbers for Joe Biden. These are, these are not stellar numbers for Joe Biden. In fact, these are the worst numbers except for Donald Trump of any modern American president at this point in time. It, it, literally buried down in this Washington Post article is the admission that Biden wins positive ratings ahead of his 100th day, better than Trump, worse than every other president since Eisenhower. At this point in time, Obama was at 69%, GW was at 63%, Bill Clinton was at 59%, HW's at 71, Reagan's at 73, Carter's at 63. The, the only person who, who has a lower rating, um, and, and it's not net, right? only Only just in absolute terms, was Gerald Ford. But even he had a plus 16 rating. Biden's at plus 10. But normally presidents are at like plus 40, plus 30, plus 20, plus 50. If you go all the way back to like Eisenhower, Kennedy and Johnson, plus 70. Okay, so- This is not a popular president by any stretch of the imagination. I know that the the media want to cram down on you the idea that what Joe Biden is doing is very popular. But that's because they are completely trying. They're trying to pretend there is no disconnect between what Joe Biden wants to do and what he was elected to do. And that disconnect is going growing broader and broader every single day. And this is giving Republicans a real opening. And if Republicans cannot ram this home by 2022, that will be a failure on their part, a massive failure on their part. You can see that Democrats are already starting to realize what a disaster some of this radicalism is. We're going to get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about the fact you don't want to go to the auto parts store because who the hell wants to go to the auto parts store? Instead, why don't you just do what you need to do with rockauto.com online? When you go to the auto parts store, you got to stand in line. You finally get to the front of the line. You take 20 minutes explaining what part you need. The guy behind the counter then orders the part online, and then he upcharges you for it. Or you could just go home, and then you could just go on rockauto.com and buy the part you need, and then they'll deliver it to your house. Why wouldn't you do that, especially when you're saving a lot of money as well as time? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over to RockAuto.com shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. There's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Again, that's rockauto.com. Write Shapiro in that. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Already Coming up, we'll get to the radicalism of Joe Biden and how even some Democrats, particularly in purple states, are starting to go, I'm not sure this is going to work out for us. First, if you didn't catch it already, yesterday's episode of the Sunday Special features an amazing guest, Dave Portnoy the founder and El Presidente of Barstool Sports. Dude is a great interview. He is perfectly honest on pretty much everything. You're going to love it. He has a lot to say about Roger Goodell and the state of sports and wokeness and business. Go check it out right now at dailywire.com or on my YouTube channel, Ben Shapiro. Daily Wire members get access to special bonus content from Sunday special episodes. So don't miss out. Join Daily Wire today. Another high energy episode of Candace is coming at you this Friday. This week, Candace hosts political commentator and interviewer, Dave Rubin. They'll have a lot to discuss, including the recall election of California Governor Gavin Newsom and his new opponent, Caitlyn Jenner. That's not a joke. That's a real thing happening in the world right now since we entered this alternative reality from which we cannot escape. Subscribe now. Stream Candace live on Fridays, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, only on Daily Wire. Get 25% off a new membership with code Candace at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Make sure you grab the audio podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever your platform of choice may be. Just head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe to Candace today. Be sure to leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So here's the thing about the Democratic partisan agenda. It's not popular. People don't actually like the agenda. They don't. And there are really bad effects to this agenda. Democrats like to spout words about equity and social justice, and they love the phraseology, but the actual effects of these policies are really, really bad. And so as they push radical, as they push ever more radical policies, this provides openings for Republicans to actually fight back. This is what Barack Obama didn't understand in 2009. He took it as a referendum on him personally that people thought his policies were garbage and that the Tea Party started. By 2010, he'd been swept out of Congress in a huge landslide. Well, Democrats are about to experience something similar because they don't know what they were elected to do. Take policing. The simple fact of the matter is when you get rid of the cops, there are serious costs to that, particularly to the most vulnerable. Story from blackenterprise.com today. The area where George Floyd lost his life on May 25th, 2020 has become a combination of a healing ground, memorial, protest location, and reminder of needed police reform. Despite the presence of fresh flowers and vibrant memorial art, barricades mark boundaries. Trash must be cleaned. People gather at the place making headlines. Some of them come from near and far. Business owners also want others to remember the economic justice elements of their plight. They once owned thriving businesses. Now they do not. Now you have to wonder to yourself, wait a second. If this place became like a sacred visiting spot, Wouldn't that generate some business? The answer, of course, is no. The memorial area is located at the intersection of East 38th Street and Chicago Avenue in Minneapolis, tucked inside a neighborhood where people must also live and make a living. People are still coming to the area known as George Floyd Square, mainly to pay homage to Floyd. The Star Tribune reported that hundreds of people trickled into the square to hear and celebrate the Chauvin verdict earlier this week. However, black owned businesses were established there before Floyd was killed. And now they are struggling. According to the New York Post report, at least five stores along one block are now shuttered. Following the killing of Floyd, carjackings have nearly tripled. Cars are being stolen at high rates. Police presence has also been reduced. That's one way to phrase it, blackenterprise.com. How about police presence was reduced? Therefore, carjackings have nearly tripled and cars are being stolen at high rates. Black merchants said the police have abandoned the blocked off intersection while creating a dangerous autonomous zone that has seen crime spike and businesses evaporate. The New York Post reported on Thursday, the intersection was essentially abandoned, save for the occasional Gawker who posed for photos in front of a mural outside Cup Foods, the convenience store where Floyd allegedly passed a counterfeit $20 bill. So all the businesses in the area are dying because it turns out that your garbage policy has pretty garbage consequences. doesn't matter, the media and Democrats are gonna push forward with their world-breaking utopian change anyway, according to the Washington Post. quote: After the Chauvin verdict, Minneapolis activists fuel up and prepare for the long fight ahead. According to the Washington Post, when the Chauvin trial verdict, while the Chauvin trial verdict is viewed as a victory by activists, many in Minneapolis are emphasizing the conviction of one white officer does not mean the fight is over, nor does it erase what they see as systemic racism in policing or other areas of American life. Justice for Floyd is not final either. Three other former Minneapolis police officers who were at the scene that night are awaiting trial on charges of aiding and abetting murder and manslaughter in Floyd's killing. Prosecutors are going to try to reinstate third-degree murder charges against each before their trial in August. So the, th- the three guys who just were there now those guys are gonna be charged for three to third degree murder. And it's not just that. It's amid a backdrop that many activists said the battle for racial equality and justice has a long way to go. And what do they want? They wanna get rid of the cops. They, they wanna They want to crack down on the ability of police officers to do their jobs. And the media are treating every incident now, every single incident of violence with regard to a black suspect as an incident of policeman We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, when we say something is free, it should mean, you know, free. No strings attached, no hidden costs, no fine print to decipher. When you switch to PureTalk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks monthly for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. Pure Talk saves the average family almost $1,000 a year. Plus, with PureTalk, you know you're spending your hard-earned money with a company that aligns with your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Claim eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk myself for years at this point. They are excellent. They've got great coverage, and they don't hate your guts. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch on over. Conduct. So, for example, ABC World News Tonight continues to push the case of Makia Bryant, a case in which a police officer saved the life of a black girl by shooting a black girl wielding a knife at her. They're treating that case as somehow controversial policing. Here's ABC World News Tonight. Tonight, growing cries to reevaluate police use of force policies in the wake of the shooting death of Ohio 16-year-old Makia Bryant. We
1: recently have shooting after shooting after shooting. So maybe the training's wrong.
0: Protesters hitting the streets again today, the fifth straight day since the shooting happened. Oh, Bryant's family telling me the police need to change.
1: They have the power right now to put some changes in the book.
0: This is unbelievable.
1: Regardless like of the situation, we have to be able to do better and protecting
0: uh, life. I have a question. Where was Mikia Bryant's family throughout this entire debacle, considering she was living in a foster home? At the time that all of this happened. Like, where were all these family members who actually, you know, take care of Makia Bryant when she was alive and protect her from this situation that that she was involved in? Where it, it's amazing how everybody's out of the woodwork talking about how the cops are at fault when the family members are completely absent to the point where this woman's this young girl, she wasn't a woman, she's 16, was in a foster home. Okay, but in any case, this is part and parcel of a broader democratic agenda. And that agenda is to undermine policing across the nation. Karen Bass, Democratic Congresswoman from California, briefly considered as a possible VP selection for Joe Biden. She said, you know, the cop really shouldn't, you know, maybe this is a bad case, but still cops shouldn't be shooting people.
1: Don't we need to be able to distinguish between cases? Yes. Between we, Derek Chauvin, that was murder yes, and this, which looks we, to me like a police, a righteous shooter. We
0: absolutely need to distinguish, but we also need to look at policing overall. And one of the things that I hope we really address is maybe the focus needs to be on de-escalation. I know police officers are taught to shoot, to kill. A lot of people raise, well, why couldn't he have shot her in the leg? Why couldn't he have done all these different things? The point is we have got to come up with a way to stop there's so many people being killed in this country, by the way, dead giveaway that somebody doesn't know what the what the hell they're talking about is when they start saying things like, why couldn't the police shoot somebody in the leg? This is the most moronic idea that people have ever proposed. They, they don't know a damn thing about guns or police work. If they think that the officer has the ability to like blazing saddles, shoot people's trigger fingers, this is the stupidest crap. It is a dead giveaway. You don't know what the hell you want that lady in charge of your policing. It's incredible. Or maybe Ilhan Omar should be in charge of policing. So she clearly has the best interest of both her constituency and the country at heart. Here's Ilhan Omar.
1: I did not uh, mischaracterize. I think people oftentimes read uh, into these statements that we make uh, into ways to to sort of vilify us. And and I don't know how you can't look at um, the the loss of a 16-year-old life um, as not a loss and how you can look at uh, a police officer who ends up, Um, using their their weapon to take a life as not being a tragedy in, in
0: our community. Okay, well, I mean, the first thing you could do is, you know, point out that perhaps the officer was justified in his conduct, considering that if he hadn't done that, there would be another dead teenage black girl, namely the person who had been stabbed by Makia Bryant, if the officer hadn't done his job. Maxine Waters is blasting her own critics, saying, quote, If we take a knee, they're mad. If we speak up like I do, they're mad. If we protest like MLK taught us to do, they're mad. What is it they expect us to do when police keep killing us? First of all, police haven't killed you, nor are police continuing to kill black people willy-nilly. That is a ridiculous statement. Beyond that, no one cares if you speak up like MLK. We do care if you go on the streets and then encourage people to get violent. That seems to be more of a problem. Okay, but but again, this is part and parcel of a, of a broader agenda, which is to rip America's institutions down, right, which is presumably why Jim Clyburn, who's supposedly a moderate, remember Jim Clyburn was the guy who pushed Joe Biden in South Carolina. Jim Clyburn, is is very opposed to anti-rioting bills. So a bunch of these states like Florida, Texas, have now considered or passed bills that say if you riot and you're in public and you attack a car and the car runs into you, you've assumed the liability. It's not on the driver. Which makes perfect sense because why should you, as a driver, have to sit there like a sitting duck and maybe risk your life? That's ridiculous. Okay, but Jim Clyburn is now defending rioters. He says, Well, you know, the Boston Tea Party was a riot.
1: This is about whether or not you are in favor of maintaining this democracy. A democracy that started off as a protest that was called the Boston Tea Party. That was a protest. And that's what led to what this country is today. So when people protest and you're going to criminalize uh, the First Amendment, that's what you're doing to petition for redress of grievances.
0: That's not a, um, so just a little history here. The Boston Tea Party resulted in the American Revolution, which was the active overthrow of a government. So yeah, governments typically have an interest in preventing riotous activity directed at the active overthrow of a government. Typically. Now, that is such a bizarre thing to say that well, the Boston Tea Party shouldn't have been illegal because we like that that revolution took place. But what if we actually like the American government? See, the underlying idea here is that if there's an active overthrow of the American government, that's actually okay so long as you believe the cause of the people who are overthrowing the American government. That's the underlying message there. If you're comparing people who are rioting to the Boston Tea Party, what you're actually saying is the American government is just as illegitimate as the British government was in 1775, 1774. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous on its face. And this this sort of stuff has predictable consequences. Kamala Harris, the vice president of the co-president of the United States, she is pushing very hard for Congress to pass the George Floyd Act. And this is supposed to be directed at policing. There's only one problem with the George Floyd Act, which, of course, is that it is massively broadly written. It is it is a bad piece of legislation that will lead to mass vacancy in police forces. Police forces just will cease to exist as they are currently known. I mean, police officers will not sign up for this job. Here's Kamala Harris.
1: It was in large part because of that case that together with my then colleagues, Cory Booker in particular, and then on the House side, Karen Bass, that we wrote the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act and I really do hope that the United States Senate, the House has passed it, that the United States Senate will take it on and have the courage to take it on. Because there is no question that we've got to put an end to these moments where the public questions whether there's going to be accountability.
0: Okay, the, here, here's the problem, of course. The, the George Floyd Act that is being proposed is significantly broader and significantly deeper than the police reform bill proposed by Senator Tim Scott. So, for example, Senator Tim Scott wanted to end qualified immunity, which means civil cases being brought against specific police officers in essentially you know, non-criminal contexts, where you sue a police officer for violation of your civil rights. You're not allowed to do that right now because there's qualified immunity. Okay, but qualified immunity doesn't extend forever, Right now, there's, there's a couple of things you can do to curb qualified immunity in ways that make sense. One would be to change the current Supreme Court standard, which says that you have to demonstrate that the police officer violated a clear line, right? You have to demonstrate that the police officer violated a precedent that had already been violated, essentially. Okay, you can go back to what the original standard was, which was reasonable conduct. Now, the, the, if the police officer, a defense was good faith and reasonableness, if the police officer did something that was good faith or reasonable under the circumstances, he was provided qualified immunity. That was the original standard. Then it was strengthened by the Supreme Court so that it wasn't just good faith and reasonableness. It was you actually had to demonstrate a case where a police officer had done this exact thing in the past and lost a civil suit. Okay, that's a very high bar. You could change the standard back to good faith and reasonableness. That might make some sense. You could also do what Senator Tim Scott proposed and reduce qualified immunity, but not for individual police officers. Instead, allow people to sue police departments. So if if a police officer did something that violated the, the rules, then they could sue the police department. Right? That's what, what Senator Tim Scott proposed. That's not what the George Floyd Act does. The George Floyd Act basically just ends qualified immunity, period. The George Floyd Act basically says that you can sue a police officer for pretty much any reason and all you have to demonstrate, you don't have to demonstrate that, that he acted in bad faith. You don't have to demonstrate that he act, acted unreasonably. You just have to demonstrate that he acted, quote unquote, negligently or recklessly, and then you can sue him in private court. You think that anybody's going to sign up to be a, a cop under these circumstances, it'll be impossible for anybody to get insurance. Nobody's going to be a cop under these circumstances. And beyond that, when they say they want to ban chokeholds, they they do understand, I assume, that chokeholds are a lesser level of force than, for example, a taser or a gun. When you get rid of intermediate levels of force, you're actually incentivizing police officers to use higher levels of force. Well, cops know what's coming, which is why, of course, NYPD officers are leaving in droves. 75% increase in quitting or retirement in 2020. Over 830 officers have already left the NYPD this year, according to the New York Post. 2,600 officers quit. 2,746 filed for retirement. Between May 25th and June 24th, 2020, a whopping 272 officers left the force in one month. Over 5,300 uniformed officers either retired or quit in 2020. That's crazy. Okay, and you're about to see more because nobody is going to enter a police force. And there will be predictable effects of this. And when you castigate and condemn policing in this way, you end up costing lives. Lindsey Graham is not wrong when he says that killing qualified immunity to the extent done by the George Floyd Act, not the way Tim Scott was talking about, or not even curbing back qualified immunity in the way that people like Don Willett, Judge Judge Don Willett on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals or Clarence Thomas has talked about. When you talk about getting rid of qualified immunity the way that Democrats are talking about, there will be no more police officers. Here, Here is Lindsey Graham explaining. Qualified immunity is a very big deal. If you want to destroy policing in America, make sure that every cop can be sued when they leave the house. So there's a way to find qualified immunity reform. Take the cop out of it. My idea, along with Senator Scott, is you can't sue the police
1: officer. You sue the department if there's an allegation of civil rights abuse or constitutional right abuse. We can solve that problem. We can solve the issues if there's will to get there. And I think there's will to get there on part of both parties now.
0: Okay, but Democrats are beginning to feel the backlash because there will be consequences to this. This is why Val Demings. The Democratic Congresswoman from Florida, who I believe wants to run for governor here, she is now saying, "Oh yeah, the Makia Bryant shooting—that's probably a good shooting." Democrats are starting to realize, "Wait a second, we are pushing too far." Even the most radical Democrats, and Val Demings is not a moderate. Val Demings came out and she's like, "She she used to be in the police." She says, "Um, yeah, we can't do this this way. This is not going to end well."
1: Now everybody has the benefit of slowing the video down and and seizing the perfect moment. The officer on the street does not have that ability. He or she has to make those split second decisions, and they're tough. But the limited information that I know in viewing the video, it appears that the officer responded as he was trained to do with the main thought of preventing a tragedy and, and a loss of life of the person who was about to be assaulted.
0: I mean, it's just the fact that she's saying this. Okay, another example Democrats starting to realize they've gone too far. Portland's mayor, Ted Wheeler, he is now asking residents to stand together and quote-unquote take the city back, as according to the Washington Post. Quote, they want to burn, they want to bash, they want to intimidate, they want to assault. He said that he will extend the state of emergency in the city through Monday after a string of demonstrations that have resulted in several buildings being vandalized and public buildings defaced. He said, our job is to unmask them, arrest them, and prosecute them. Weird, because for months, he defended these people. But now it turns out that even people in Portland aren't super fond of this nonsense. There will be a backlash. If Republicans cannot take advantage of the fact that Democrats have completely misread their mandate, they're incompetent. They ought to be thrown out of office, frankly, if they can't take advantage of the fact that Democrats have so wildly overreached here. All righty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. In the meantime, go check out The Michael Knowles Show, where he discusses thousands of people marching in London to protest at vaccine passports. You can hear more details about that story over on Michael's Show. That's available right now. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Klavan Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our assistant director is Pavel Wydowski. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant is Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Caitlyn Jenner kicks off his campaign for governor. The media make a golden idol out of Fauci, an actual literal golden idol. And Elon
1: Musk laughs about how many people will die on the first mission to Mars. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.